Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 65 of the MR Running Pains podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Saft, and today's episode is a little stray from my normal conversations. I hope that you'll you'll give this one a chance and a listen, um, as it's more about voicing and having a voice and letting you know those that uh, run our country and and beyond um, know what what you want. Um, may you know whether you agree with those in office or not. Um, your voice is super important, and uh, that's what this episode is about. Uh, my guest, Dr. Stephanie Howell, uh, she's uh, an amazing ultra runner mom. Um, she does so much, and, and she's very humble about <laughs> her results. She's, like I said, just an amazing runner and, and person. Uh, Stephanie and um, Kenyon. Woodward are uh, my guests here, and we talk about uh, an organization in which the three of us belong called uh, Protect Our Winners, POW. And uh, it's really just about uh, making you know those aware of the climate change that, that we're seeing. Um, whether you believe in it or not, uh, that's, you know, a t- another topic, but this is, uh, you know, just how we can reach out, uh, and make our voices heard, whether it's about our public lands, um, or about, um, climate change or, or whatever, you know, comes across, you know, Canyon talks about, uh, the DOT locally, you know, making, uh, a road and bridge that, uh, that we're going to really affect his community. Uh, these are all things that you know affect us, and in essence, this episode is just how we can get engaged, how we can get involved. So I really hope you'll give this episode a chance and a listen. Like I said, I know it, it's outside my norm, um, but uh, these two uh, join me in uh, in being trail runners and trying to uh, create you know change uh, that we hope will will better uh, the future of of all of us. So. Uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. As always, you know, feel free to to reach out to any of us with uh, questions and comments. Uh, you know, we're we're here for that conversation. So, thank you very much for for giving this a chance. I'd like to welcome to the episode Dr. Stephanie Howell and Mr. Kenyon Woodward. How are you guys today? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Um, we all have an affiliation with the organization POW, uh, Protect Our Winners. And we're going to talk about POW and uh, some of the things that we can all do um, as advocates. But um, you know, Stephanie had some some really good questions. I think we can we can start out. So, Stephanie, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and, and introduce yourself a little bit more and uh, how you got involved in this? Yeah, um, Stephanie Howe. I hail from Minnesota. Um, that was my, uh, I grew up uh, in the Northland, we like to call it, and um, really loved like having four seasons. So I grew up playing outside in the summer and skiing in the winters and um, really shaped me into the adult that I am who loves being outside and doing all the endurance sports, um, whether it be running, biking, skiing, paddling, just kind of anything outdoors is my favorite thing um, to do. And kind of fitting, I I studied um, 
I guess not outdoors, but I studied exercise science. I was also an athlete. And so it's kind of like all the things in my life align. <laughs> like I really like to move my body outside. I studied exercise physiology and nutrition and went on to earn a doctorate in um, uh, nutrition. And it's been a really cool journey for me to blend these passions of my love for the outdoors and then helping people with nutrition and coaching to be able to enjoy recreating or competing in the outdoors. And then myself also, I, I run um, at, at a competitive level in mostly trail and ultras. And I, I currently live in California. I was in Oregon for the last decade, but just moved down to um, uh, the Bay Area in California. And I moved here right before the pandemic started. So still learning the area, but I... I really got involved with Protect Our Winters um, in 2016. I think the election just woke me up. I, I I had always been really conscious of, you know, talking about climate and doing things in my local community, doing volunteer work, doing trail work, um, restoration projects. But it just felt like that impact was so minimal in the the grand scheme of like this issue we're facing. And so, when the election results came out, I. I was just in shock and in mourning and just was like, Stephanie, you need to do something. You need to like use your platform that you have to, to actually make action happen because I felt like I was saying a lot, but not really doing a lot. So I connected with um, Jake at Protect Our Winters and he was just like, kind of took me under his wing. It was like, okay, these are the things we can do. These are the big things we need to put into place to actually protect our earth and prevent it from going into this, this downward slide that it felt like we were on. And, um, since then I've, I've really just kind of poured myself into it because it feels really good because ultimately I love the outdoors. Um, I have a baby now he's hmm. four and a half months old. And I just think about him and like wanting him to be able to enjoy these places too, or have a habitable earth. Like we're not just talking about you know, being able to run in the mountains and, you know, see all these beautiful sites, but actually having a, an earth we can live on. So that's kind of the, the quick fast forward story of <laughs> how I got involved, but it's, it's so meaningful to me. Absolutely. And, and Kenyon, how about yourself? Oh, that was awesome to hear Stephanie. Thanks for sharing all that. And congrats yeah. on being a new mama. Happy belated Thanks. mother's day. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. For me, I have siblings named Rivers, Force, and Autumn. So pretty similar uh, story you could guess of just being outdoors all the time growing up. Um, lots of, yeah, lots of whitewater paddling here in the mountains. I was, I was born in Franklin, um, west of, west of the Asheville in, in the North Carolina mountains here. And um, yeah, just spent spent my whole childhood playing outside um doing doing backpacking trips and paddling trips with the family and the siblings and um just absolutely love these mountains and that's that's what first drew me into you know getting involved with some environmental work and and wanting to protect them and um i think my first real so to fast forward a little bit, I'm, I'm real involved with electoral politics now. Um, 
I'm a campaign manager and, and have worked on a bunch of campaigns. Um, but I grew up just absolutely <laughs> being repulsed by electoral politics, which I think is the experience of a lot of us, unfortunately, because um, there's so much to hate about our political system and the state of politics in this country. Um, and yeah, so I, I was, I was pretty, pretty uninterested growing up. Um, I went off to Harvard for college and folks were like, Oh, you're going to end up in politics. And I was like, the heck I am. That is <laughs> the last place you'll find <laughs> me. Um, and I think some of that was colored by, um, my first real, like up close and personal run in with, um, with politics was in my community in high school. There was this project that, um, the, the department of transportation was trying to ram through our community. Um, it wasn't any kind of earth shattering, like battle of, of morals or justice. It was just this beautiful old historic one lane trust bridge that, um, had a history going back to like the forties in our community and they wanted to take it out and replace it with this slab of concrete. And anyway, long story short, the community was up in arms. We, they had a public hearing in the basement of the Baptist church at the end of the road. And the community just packed the place wall to wall. I've never seen so many folks in our community in one place before. And for three hours, just one after another got up and, and laid it on the uh the dot folks who were in the room and at the end this county commissioner stood up at the front he was like you know i've just been here listening to y'all tonight and i just want to say that this is democracy in action this project is not going through and he got this huge standing ovation from all of us um and then one of my friends was walking walking home afterwards and passed them in the parking lot, talking with with the the DOT folks from Raleigh, and they were talking about how um, the money for this project and others wasn't going to come through in the future if if he didn't get in line on the project, and he ended up voting in favor of of that bridge going through, and that just put a really, really foul taste in my mouth of, of just like it being corrupt and dirty and these sort of backhanded dealings of folks saying one thing and then doing the other. And so that pushed me even further away from politics. Um, and then I got really involved with climate activism in college around the Keystone pipeline, especially. And um, I think through the climate work, I just realized that like one of our big goals was to create political change and to get policies passed that will give my generation a, a shot at having a livable future and nothing was happening. There's no, there's no bold climate, climate legislation, um, getting passed. And so I, um, I kind of came to the point of, of realizing that we can do all we want on the outside, but if we don't kind of hold our noses and uh, wade into the muck of, of this political system that we've got, nothing's going to change. And, um, and so 
yeah, so I've I've jumped headfirst into into this swamp to try and try and work on on making it a a better place and and working on making what change we can. I really think that's a good point that you just really described. Canyon is a lot of people who love the outdoors and just want to you know <laughs> enjoy our places and not get into politics. It's like we we can't just ignore that. You have to get in there because we know that that's where change happens. And I think so many of us are scared to, or just, you know, have this, this idea that we can't, or we shouldn't, or I don't understand politics. I don't know how it works. So I'm just going to stay away. And I think we need more people like you who are, you know, willing to jump into the swamp, as you said, and, and really, you know, change, make changes from the inside out. And I think that's how it's going to happen. And when I think about like, okay, who do we want in charge? Well, I want people who are like-minded. I want people who put like environmental justice, race, racial justice, social economic justice first. And those are all connected. You know, it's making the world a better place for all of us, you know, covers all of those areas. And so I really encourage people, and I, I'm saying this to myself too, because I'm not currently involved in politics, but to just, you know, think about your communities and how you can get involved and like, yeah, like run for office. <laughs> yeah. It's, go ahead, Canyon. That was to totally and piggybacking off of that. Like I, th I think about it like um, kind of like running in the sense of, you know, in our training, if we keep on doing the same thing, we, we plateau and, you know, we don't really get anywhere. So we're always trying to push ourselves a little bit out of our comfort zones in order to make progress. And I think, I think we have to do the same thing politically and on issues that we care about. Um, and so if that, you know, if that looks like running for office for you, that's fantastic. Like we really need more people who are in it for the right reasons to run for office at every, every level. Um, if that looks like registering to vote and voting for the first time, then great start there, you know, um, and just kind of let it, let it build one, one step at a time for, you know, whatever feels right for, for your starting point, I think is really important. Right on. Um, Stephanie, you had a, a really good question that you had uh, emailed me and, you, you know, you kind of touched on or you're asking to touch on what Canyon was just talking about and how we can, you know, further the uh, uh, or strengthen the relationship between running and politics, mm -hmm. um, you know, between, you know, advocacy and um, organizing and, and community involvement. Do you guys want to talk a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, just a general context, I think people are more aware now of the impact, the connection between the two of enjoying the outdoor space and um, the policy or the people in office. And I think that's something that hasn't always been true. Um, I remember like several years ago, maybe just like three, four years ago, I had a friend who is just like something came out in the news and she was really like upset about it. She's like, I'm just going to go run out and go for a long trail run because they can't take that away from me. And I was like, um, yes, they can. And they are. And I think just, just bringing those two together, like not having that disconnect of like, we're in this like crazy, you know, the, the news and like bombarded with all these things happening. And then you can go off in your own world and just forget it all. Um, we take that for granted. And I think 
being able to enjoy and recreate in the outdoors, you have to connect that back to policy. And that's part of my goal with uh, being involved with Protect Our Winters is helping people bridge that gap because you can, you know, we don't always know a lot about what we need to do or how we can help, but just showing people that these action steps that you take can help put people into office or create policies that are going to be protective for the earth. And although it's nice to do things on a, on a micro level in your day-to-day life, you know, like recycle and drive less and reuse things, those don't add up as much as like divesting or, you know, putting into um, play or voting someone in who's going to elevate climate to the top of their list of priorities. So for me, the two are so connected. And I think every runner, they should be connected. Everyone who loves the outdoors, because this, these, the outdoors and the earth that we have, it's a privilege and it can be taken away from us by the actions that we choose or choose not to do. I don't know if that quite answered your question, but that's how I see the two linked together. Absolutely. Um, and can you, um, just touch on a little bit more of divesting, um, just, you know, expound on what you mean by that and what people can do to divest. Yeah, I I actually should shoot that over to Canyon because he's had a lot of experience with that. But for me personally, I know I was banking with, um, you know, maybe the (laughs) one of the worst um, Wells Fargo. And I, I changed over um, where, where I was putting my money basically to Bank of the West because they are not investing in any fossil fuels um, companies that are, um, you know, in charge of fossil fuels or carbon, like large carbon emitters. And you, by doing that, you're, you're preventing those companies from getting loans from these banks. You're not giving your money to those companies. So that was a big for me aha moment of like, wow, I can just simply change where I'm banking and that's going to make an impact. But Canyon has a firsthand experience with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Let's see. So, so in, in college, um, getting active around fossil fuel divestment was, was one of the big avenues for me into, into organizing and political work. Um, I think it came out of, you know, we, (laughs) as students, we got to campus and, um, we, you know, there were plaques in the shower being like, take shorter showers, save water. And there were like energy audits on, how long the lights are staying on in the rooms and um, little recyc- single stream recycling bins. And, you know, all that, all that stuff is, it's not to say that you shouldn't focus on, on cutting down your own personal footprint. You absolutely should. That, that's important, but that's, that's really, a, in my mind, that's a much less important side of the equation. That's, um, that's kind of, a misdirection of like the fossil fuel industry and big corporations that want business to continue on as usual as shifting, shifting the burden of um, guilt onto the, onto us and saying, you know, you have to, you have to be the ones to cut down and that's what's going to get us where we need to go. And in reality, um, the problems that we face are, so much more systemic than they are like personal and individual. Obviously they're both, obviously those things are connected, but we can make all of the individual personal 
change we can imagine and it's not going to be enough without big systemic change in the face of systemic crises like climate change and so confronting that reality um divestment divestment was one of the big tactics that um i think bill mckibben uh, a great author and environmentalist kind of kind of spearheaded and um at harvard one of my best friends uh chloe maxman who's now the youngest woman state senator ever elected in maine uh, <laughs> yeah um she co-founded the fossil fuel divestment movement there and the idea there was just to um pressure harvard to take its 40 plus billion dollars out of fossil fuel investments and um to reinvest them in in the community and in in things that aren't actively destroying the world um with with the thinking being that that will help spur some of the cultural and political change and put a stigma on these com companies and and push them towards some action and it's it's really worked in a lot of ways um there's now big um big activism around the banks like stephanie was alluding to and you see big coal projects and tar sands projects being proposed that are having trouble getting loans now. They can't find a bank that'll fund those things because of that activism. So, um, so that's that's a big success story, I think. Um, and yeah, and there's that's still a, a lot huge more to success do. Success story. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally think that's one of the number one action steps people can take right now that have very few consequences it's it's i'm not gonna say like it's easy to change banks but it's like that's all you have to do you know and even if that's too big of a step just looking at your investments or your portfolio and just meeting with your your banker and just saying like hey i don't want my money going to support um fossil fuels or carbon dependent businesses and I mean, just by the numbers, you know, if more people do that, like the harder and harder it's going to be for these companies to get loans. So it seems to me just like a really easy action step that might be good for someone who's not quite sure how to get involved or how to do more right now. Totally. And uh, yeah, I'd really emphasize there the like the collective action is mm -hmm. is what makes these things so powerful. So do what you can to, you know, link up, whether it's friends and family or whether it's joining an organization locally or nationally, there's, there's a great group, um, group of organizations, kind of a coalition called stop the money pipeline. That's working on this stuff. Um, think about if you're, you know, if your church or your city or your university can be pushed to, to take action, um, you know, see what sunrise and pow and, um, all of these other organizations are doing doing locally in your area and get involved with other folks because because that's so much of the beauty for it for me too is is doing this in community with with others and that's where that's where i get a lot of the resolve to to keep on doing it year in and year out and avoid burning out that's awesome thank you for for going through all of that um on a, on a simplistic level, how would someone find out if they are supporting such an institution that isn't as, you know, environmentally minded um, as you want to align with? 
So, uh, I mean, personally, I just do research on my own. Um, I mean, there's like several websites out there that, um, you know, rate companies or just like, you know, you can find out about them or like supporting B Corp companies that put the environment first. Um, I know there's a lot of resources on Protect Our Winters website too, especially having to do with um, the banks and um, supporting, um, you know, fossil fuels or supporting businesses that um, use use or promote fossil fuels. But I, and Canyon, you might know um, better than I do, but I just personally do my own research on this. And because it is such an important issue to me, and it's not like it it takes like days and days of research. It's like, you know, if I have choice A or B, it might not matter that much to me. But if choice A is a B Corp company, which means they're going to be really conscious about how they produce their, um, how they make their products and how they, you know, treat their employees and, um, you know, how they give back to the earth. I'm going to choose that because I know that they're doing things that are going to make ultimately a, a better choice for um, protecting our earth. You have any other ideas, Kenyon? Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a great place to start. Um, you know, again, stop the money pipeline and divest ed are a couple of, of good resources, particularly in the, um, in that sort of more finance and business realm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what Stephanie said is a great, it's a great avenue. And also just looking at like within your local community first, I mean, it's, it's not smaller local um, businesses aren't, don't always fall under that umbrella, but most of the time they, they do, and they don't have the resources <laughs> to be like, like those big companies are. And I think even if it's not just a purely environmental choice, supporting local businesses, is just good for your community and having a really healthy community where, you know, you support each other is going to build this, um, kind of like mind attitude, like-minded attitude. And, you're, you're going to be able to feel connected and able to come together for things like, you know, <laughs> protesting when the local whatever, the local bridge is going to be taken down and concrete slab put up. Or, you know, just when you have those things that y- you want to work together, when you're able to support each other and support small businesses, I think that usually is a better place to start because you know, they tend to be more grassroots or smaller and sourcing locally rather than, you know, getting everything from China and then distributing like all over the globe. Right on. Um, Well, you know, Stephanie, you started out by talking about um, our previous administration and and that's kind of what got you engaged in this. Um, If we look at the new current administration, um, are you seeing some positive trends or Anything that, you know, still throws up a red flag that you would say this is something maybe we should, you know, focus our energies on this. This goes to you, too, Kenyon. I mean, uh, to me, it's a lot more positive just in so many ways that we don't need to go into. But I think there's there's a lot of work to be done. Right. So we we got through the election and it's like we got through the election. But now the work starts. Now we have to put these things into place that we've been talking about and hoping for. Um, And we kind of have to see with the infrastructure package, you know, how that all plays out and what's really going to happen. And um, I think there's great pieces in place, but they just need to be put into action. So it's yet to be seen 
you know, how it's actually going to play out. So we're not like out of the woods or we're not like, you know, figuring it out and just kind of going through it seamlessly. Um, now, if, if like any time is, is the time for us to really like mobilize our troops and like, you know, get together and like really promote these things that are important to us. And I know, you know, getting back into um, the Paris, Paris Accord, um, that's a huge step, right? We're just sharing, we're just saying on a global level, like, yeah, this is important to us. We're going to rejoin this and, um, and hopefully make climate one of our top issues again. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be just, you know, easy. And now we're like over the hump. Yeah. Yeah. Totally echo all of that. I mean, I was certainly not a big riding with Biden guy, uh, <laughs> but I've been, I've definitely been pleasantly surprised by um, the way that he's been prioritizing climate in, um, in his first hundred plus days in office and um, baking that into the infrastructure bill in a big way is super encouraging. Um, yeah. And I think, I think what I'd, what I keep coming back to is there's a tendency in our country, I think, to, you know, to vote, to see an election through and call it good, kind of, kind of check out for the next, the next two years or even the next four years. And, um, you know, I think what we've seen really powerfully in recent, recent years is that public pressure really works. And, and this is, this is, definitely not the time to, to let up. This is, we've finally got uh, a national government that, you know, <laughs> is equipped to, to make some change if, if we continue laying on the pressure. So this is, this isn't the time to, uh, <laughs> to kick our feet up. This is the time to, to really ramp up the pressure to make sure that, um, that we're able to take advantage of, of the opportunity that we have right now. And then I'd also, I'd also point a big finger also down the ticket towards, you know, state level government. I, growing up, I had no idea what a state representative is, a state, state Senator, you know, um, it's, it's all about the, the president and the Senate and, and everything. And obviously, the federal legislation is huge, but um, there's so, so much that happens at the state level. Um, so state state senators and state representatives generally are elected every two years and um, they draw the maps that, you know, like in, in North Carolina, for example, uh, result in us having ridiculously gerrymandered districts where we, you know, elected a Democrat statewide for, for governor, but then we have what, like one, like three or four out of 14 seats uh, statewide or something like that in Congress. Um, so they have huge power there with, with drawing the lines and then huge power on just local, local issues from policing and communities to, um, local infrastructure and environmental regulation at the state level. And there's so much money poured into state level politics by big oil, um, big corporations, 
for a reason because you know they have tremendous power in in rolling back regulations and and creating um, all kinds of all kinds of chaos at the local level that just completely gets brushed under the rug because because um, it's not really covered in in the media in a big way and, and people aren't as checked into local politics so um, just a big plug to you know if you're if you're not so checked into to what's happening at the local and state level to um, yeah to do some research there and 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 be active at that level because there's a lot that happens there yeah, I think know your representatives and know what's going on in your your state because those things are going to immediately affect you. And although we we tend to focus on the national level, like that that is important, but what's happening in your community, in your state, in your city, in your county, those things are really going to you're going to feel those effects. And so I think that's a great place to start and just learn more about your area and like who represents you. And remember they're representing you and you're voting these people in and they want to please their constituents. So calling, <laughs> you know, like have them on speed dial or saved in your phone. So you can like just jump on the phone and like, I know it can be intimidating, but it takes five minutes to be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in your, I'm one of your constituents. I'm in your area. And this is what I think about this bill, or, you know, I want you to support this. And they keep track of that because they want to please the people that they represent. So that is a great way to kind of take that step from like knowing about your local government and actually impacting it. And they're going to be different all over the country. Like Aaron and I talked about um, earlier, you know, like in North Carolina, like forest and forest management, that's a big thing. Whereas maybe in California where I live, um, wildfire is like a big thing and like, you know, keeping the land um, fire safe. And it's going to be different all over in the country, all over the country, depending on where you live, but getting involved in that and at least like feeling like you're able to say what you think, um, it makes a big difference and it feels really good. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially at the the state level, you know, folks, folks do listen. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really important, really important point. Um, you know, seeing, seeing Chloe in office, um, up in Maine, she's, she hears so much from her constituents and, you know, I think she's maybe uniquely responsive, but, um, but yeah, like Stephanie said, their, their job is, is to represent you and, and public pressure really does, does work at that at that level so yeah that's just a big big retweet to, to what stephanie said and i mean as as simple as this is some folks may not know where to find contact information um you know are we you know just sending them to the uh the state you know government page or local government page um you know are their numbers going to be there emails contact you know is that is that where we're sending folks um, that's a good place to go. They're also on the Protect Our Winters website. Um, if you, I would have to go back. We can find the, the link and maybe you can put it in your show notes, but, yeah. uh, to find, yeah, it'll connect you to like who, but just by putting your zip code, like who are your local representatives. And, um, they usually have an email and a phone number. And, um, from what I understand, it's always best to call because there's someone is going to answer the phone or an answering machine is going to answer that and they're going to tally. 
they're going to keep track of what people want, what people say. Whereas emails, I think you sometimes don't get that same response. Fantastic. And that would probably be the same for like a written letter too. It's yeah, I mean, I don't think it hurts. Whatever whatever form is going to be easiest and most comfortable for you, I think, is a good option. But um, when we were leading up to the election, um, I think, well, and even before then, just talking about the best way to get a hold of them was to to make a phone call because it it's quick on both ends. You know, like it, you can say what you have to say in a few minutes, and they can hear it and respond in a few minutes rather than like, you know, taking the time to write a letter and then has to get there. Someone has to read it. And, um, no way of communication is a bad way though. Yeah. And, and I know it's not, maybe not feasible now. Um, but as, as COVID restrictions ease, you know, if you can, if you can meet with them face to face, whether they have, you know, a coffee hour, um, back, back home in the district or, or if you find yourself in the capital or, or close enough to it, um, if you can make a face-to-face connection, usually their usually their offices are are open, and you know that's that's obviously a really powerful way to build a relationship. And I didn't know about this until I started um, getting involved with Protect Our Winters that you could really go do that. And um, I've since done it several times at both local and national. And just, it's great to just sit down with them and like they're a person and like, you know, you tell them your story and they're interested in it. And it's really a really powerful way to connect. And I think yeah, as Kenyon alluded to, it's one of the the best ways to to get to know them and just have that connection. So, uh, hopefully, that stuff um, opens up again um, in this next year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for, for myself, I am um, I'm definitely not the most vocal or politically involved. Um, you know, I, I I tend to. When something strikes a chord with me, I'll stick my nose in it. And that's kind of where, you know, POW came in for me, especially at the local level. I was seeing things, you know, even within my town that were going on. And I just started going to my board meetings and just kind of, you know, letting them know, you know, like we do need these things. You know, they thought that what was already established was was going to be enough for people. But you know, there's so many things that we have locally, you know, just within your community that go on. And if you're not aware of it, if you're not following it, you know, a lot of people don't even read the news anymore. It's, you know, you, these things happen without, you know, either your approval or (laughs) your denial. So, you know, sticking your nose in just at the local level, checking in at your town meetings and and hearing what's going on. Uh, You can sit in on those and you can stand up and, you know, have your voice heard too. The, the, The town meetings are for that. So just at your like immediate local level, there's a lot that you can do. Um, I've done the same thing at the, you know, at the National Forest Service, you know, the National Forest Service here is is tremendous. And, you know, as Stephanie was talking about, like, logging is, is massive here. And we were just going through a 20 year logging plan in which they wanted to increase logging by 75%. And that would really diminish, you know, our forests and our public land. 
And so, you know, we, we had to, we had to speak up and, you know, that's when I started pushing out some of the, the social medias. I got in trouble on Facebook and was banned on Facebook for, <laughs> for 48 hours. Cause I shared it with too many groups, <laughs> um, Nice. <laughs> yes. um, but I tried to get it out there because it was going to affect us, you know, like this, this plan was, was massive. And so, you know, you can engage at whatever level you're comfortable at, but like, if you don't engage, if you don't get it out there, these things are going to happen you know, regardless of, you know, like your inability to, to communicate. So mm-hmm. get your voice out there so you can be heard and, and make sure that they understand this is the way you see it. And, you know, let others know this is happening so they can make their decision if they're going to communicate it or not. Um, yeah. But um, I think that's a, a, you know, a great time to start talking about POW, if you don't mind. Um, so, uh, so, you know, Stephanie, if, if you want to, uh, talk about pow what what is it you know we've we've said it's protect our winners but mm-hmm. you know it's not only our winters obviously i mean that's <laughs> that's part of it the uh, uh environmental piece of it which you know that's that's what brought me into uh, actually awareness was i grew up in new york um and growing up in new york we were we recreated outdoors on snow machines uh, motorcycles. We were, you know, that was my family. We were <laughs> more into the mechanical activities, but, um, you know, the, the winters were our time to, to play on these, these snowmobiles, snow machines. And, you know, I remember when I was super little, the, the massive snowstorms we had, the white Christmases. And then I remember as I got older, the snow just diminishing to the point where, you know, we're like, why do we even have snowmobiles? You know, we'd have to go like further up towards Canada to find snow. Uh, So I remember, you know, over the course of my life, you know, over a decade or so, just the snow disappearing, you know, going from having these foot plus snowstorms to, you know, man, I hope we get a few inches, (laughs) you know, just to see some snow. So I like, I saw it and that's, you know, that's what started my, you know, my, my, uh, my realization that, you know, we need to, you know, be more cognizant of what we're doing to the, uh, to the environment, you know, like, uh, yeah, I remember in high school that, you know, the big thing was the ozone layer, <laughs> you know, we kept mm-hmm. talking about the ozone layer and the destruction of the ozone layer. So, you know, it, that was, you know, that really hit me because that's an influential part of your life in high school, uh, is what's going on, you know, and, and you're seeing these current events and what's, what's happening and transpiring in the world. So, um, but protect our winters, you know, <laughs> sorry, back to the point <laughs> yeah. is such an, an organization that, that wants to make this awareness. So please, you know, if you would expound on that. Yeah. Um, protect our winters is a nonprofit organization and it's got it, it got its name because I think, Well, it started in 2007 by Jeremy Jones, who is a professional snowboarder and was noticing the the changes in the weather patterns, the climate that was impacting his ability to get out and and enjoy winter sports. And I think winter is where we first, most of us first noticed, um, and speaking from a Northland person, uh, yeah, I have a similar story, Aaron, of like growing up with snow. And then by my senior year in high school, I was a Nordic skier in, um, I competed in Nordic skiing and we had to go to like the downhill resorts where they made snow because there wasn't enough to ski on. And it just like this incredible shift from when I was a child to when I was a senior in high school. But anyways, I think most of us who are used to four seasons have noticed that and, um, winters were a really obvious place to start. So this organization started by Jeremy Jones and really to just bring together people who, recreate in the outdoors, um, scientists, athletes, um, businesses, just bring them together to 
um, create this awareness and education to put policies into place that are going to basically protect our winters, protect our climate. And that goes so much further than just winters. It goes, it, you know, it goes to, to all seasons and to all, all areas of the globe. Um, you know, in the, in the summers and particularly out West, we get raging wildfires and it's, it takes over, you know, for, for weeks and months sometimes of like snow or it's not, not snow, smoke, um, that just kind of like settles down into the area. And then the fires destroy all of this, you know, beautiful outdoor trails and, um, open space that we have. And it, you know, it's so dry and hot that, one flame is just going to blow up. Um, and that's become more and more just a regular occurrence, not just like, wow, there's a random wildfire. It's like, oh, there's already been nine this season in, in Washington. And it's, you know, this was last month and it's only April. And so it, it's really, it was started in snow sports, but really expanding to, to all, all areas and all, um, people who like to recreate. And, um, yeah, it, it, the goal is really to work at, I guess, the national level and then down to the local levels to educate people and to give them ways to take action to impact policy, because we know that's the number one way that we're actually going to make change. So they have like this, this model of theory of change and how we work from the ground up. And it, it's really incredible because I found as an athlete, and just someone who loved the outdoors, I, I was doing what I could in my day-to-day -day life, but it just didn't seem like enough. And you just feel like this, like you're just kind of scrambling and trapped and you're not able to actually make a big impact because you're just one person. And, you know, there's other people, there's the government that's going to actually tell you what is going to happen. And so there's this big disconnect for me. Um, and I'm getting into a personal story again, but I think this just kind of illustrates what Protector Winters really tries to do is is bridge that gap and and allow people to really take action and and get involved because that's ultimately what's going to make an impact. And I'm talking about athletes a lot, but it's not just athletes. It's it's you know individuals at the local level. It's businesses. It's scientists. It's people who are artists. Like anyone who loves. I guess I shouldn't even say who loves the earth. Anyone who lives on the earth, <laughs> um, we should care about the earth because it's our home. And so, yeah, bringing everyone together to to create change is really what Protect Our Winters is all about. And um, it, we're like, um, we, uh, the three of us, are on the the Trail Collective team. Mm -hmm. um, and as you said, there's there's all the user groups, um, which. I really appreciate the fact that POW is recognizing trail runners as a group. I think that's something that as a collective, as a user group, we're not, you know, typically recognized um, by the forest service. We're kind of crammed into hikers uh, mm -hmm. and the hikers usually speak for us. Um, you know, like when I, I'm here locally, um, we created our own trail club so that, you know, we would have a voice to the Forest Service so that they could hear us um, and know that, you know, our user group wants to be recognized and, and say, you know, well, thank you. This would affect us in, in this way, you know, whereas hikers may have a, pers a different perspective and, and sometimes it is the same. But, um, you know, 
instead of having somebody else speak for us, you know, now we have this group that can speak. And I think with, you know, all of these clubs and, you know, trail sisters, for instance, that, you know, they're mm-hmm. such a great collective of, of women that, that should be a, a group in it of itself to advocate, you know, on the local levels. Um, you know, th- I mean, that's, that's such a great, um, they, they have such great communications within themselves. If they could put that out into the community um, and they do, you know, I, I, I'm sure multiple communities do, but that would be a tremendous asset to, to, you know, what is trying to be achieved. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I sincerely appreciate the fact that POW has recognized that we are this user group. Um, and so within within these groups, um, what are these groups trying to accomplish and how do they try to accomplish it with POW? Yeah, I think uh, there's, there's a few things. And um, one is just build community, you know, like connecting, like trail runners all over, all over the world. Like let's, you know, these are the things that are important to us and let's work together. And I think when you have like that sense of community, like you guys are all, we're all out there doing the same things and like working towards the same goal. It just is like a big snowball effect, right? We want to keep doing it because it feels good. And then other people are doing it. So that's, that's one goal. And then it too is, is to, you know, take action on these issues that affect us both locally and nationally and, um, really uh, help trail runners or, um, you know, trail users turn their passion into advocacy. And that's one of the big, that's a big leap for a lot of people, but removing barriers to help people do this. And I think when, when you do it within your, your discipline, it's just more comfortable and you see other people doing it and you see, you know, the reasons why, um, which, you know, for example, if I were a trail runner and I was donating to protect our winters and I just, you know, saw all of the, the snowboarders or the skiers, it just doesn't have that same feeling for me of like the importance and that everyone that I recreate and, um, that I know is, is working towards this goal. But when I have like all my fellow trail runners, like, you know, all over the country, like some of my best friends and people I can compete against people I look up to, we're all kind of like in this, it's like a really cool thing. And it's just, you know, I think we want that in different areas. We want everyone to feel connected, supported, but then also feel like they can be an advocate because, we all have voices. We all want to be heard. And like you said, Aaron, there, there's, there's a difference between people who, in between different, different disciplines. Like if you're hiking versus if you're a trail runner, like you have different values, different goals, different needs. And I think when you can bring all those people together, it, it elevates everyone. Absolutely. Um, and Canyon, you have done some, um, some wonderful videos with your brother. Um, the, the most recent that comes to mind is, is the one you did. Um, you were training for scar, I think, and running scar, but you, um, you incorporated Chloe into it, correct? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, that was a great combination of the two. Um, do you want to touch about, you know, how, how you guys got going on, on the videos and such? you you guys have done some fun ones too, and I'll try to include a link to, to those, but, um, go ahead and touch on that for me. Heck yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really all, all forests, artists, artistry and, and genius. He's an incredible filmmaker. Um, I think our, our first real project working together was, um, pretty soon after I graduated from college, um, we had 
with our fossil fuel divestment organizing. Um, my senior year, we had we gotten 70,000 people signed on to the campaign and we um, built up to this big week of action where we shut down the, the president's office and, and university buildings for, for a week with a week-long um, sit-in and, and had folks come in from all over to, to speak and, and do education and organize with us. And um, one, of the, one of the folks who came was um, Coretti, who was the leader of the Pacific Climate Warriors, which is an awesome group of, of young organizers from over a dozen Pacific Island nations. And um, that was, it was really powerful building a relationship with her and, and hearing about their work um, fighting for really the survival of these, of these countries where um, sea level rise is, is life or death, um, you know, a, a, half, a half degree Celsius um, change in temperatures um, can make the difference between, you know, that, that land being, being viable or not. And Coretti invited us to come, um, come to the Pacific and see some of their work. So, so we did in 2016 and, and made a short film, Matagi Malohi Strong Winds, um, about their, the incredible work that they do. Um, and then, yeah, the more, the more recent one that was more running focused, uh, Rural Runner was kind of weaving in um, my and Chloe's stories. Um, so a little bit, a little bit more focused on me kind of because of election laws around um, what's considered like could be construed as support for a candidate. Um, but kind of following Chloe in my journey, um, diving into rural politics up in, in Maine, uh, Chloe moved back to her super conservative rural hometown in the middle of Maine um, that had voted Republican by an average of 16 points over the past three elections. And she just dove into it, going door to door and um, people really, really connected with her. And she, she won, she was the first Democrat elected in that district and became the youngest woman in the main state house. Um, and then um, she was asked to run for, for state Senate this past cycle. And, and similar similar thing um and she unseated the the republican senate minority leader um which was a, a really big deal and she passed the first um green new deal legislation um anywhere in the country um at the state level in maine in in 2019 um and yeah she's continuing to to do amazing work day in and day out up there um so that was kind of that was the kind of the focus of that film and i think one of the the last thing i'll touch on there is um one of the things that has been really life-changing for me doing that work is the experience of getting out there having face-to-face -face conversations with people in the community especially in these rural communities um like where i grew up um where it's just so much different from like the echo chamber of, of my Facebook feed or Instagram. And, you know, you're, 
it's it's hard and you know i think a big block for people getting involved with with political work is like ah, i don't i don't know enough you know i'm not well enough educated on the issues and um what i've found is you really you that's you really don't need to be to to, to take that first step to to get involved and it can be so powerful to go door to door for a campaign and have those conversations. And so much of it is just about listening and building an authentic human connection with a person and starting to sow those seeds of, of trust. Um, and so much of what we did out there was, was just have conversations, disagree where we disagreed, but, but be willing to, to listen and, you know, not get, not get, uh, triggered and set off by views that are different from our own. You know, I think it's really easy to just get really angry, um, at, at, <laughs> at things that you disagree with. And, um, and it can be really powerful just to, to be able to show up and listen and calmly disagree and, you know, end that conversation with, with a firm handshake, looking each other in the eye and um yeah so just a big plug to to be willing to get out there and and have those those kinds of conversations too i think that's just an incredible point and i i've met chloe i she's just like this force this energetic force to be reckoned with and uh, one of the the things that i really appreciated learning from her was when she was talking about, you know, going back to the rural, really Republicans like um, area that she grew up connecting with people and finding a common ground. You can always find a common ground. Start there. Don't just be so quick to judge and disagree and say, don't you understand? This is my way and getting frustrated. But like you find something like maybe you both have kids. Uh, maybe you both like pizza, you know, like find something, create a conversation. And when you break down that barrier and you, you connect with someone, I think it's so much easier to talk about hard issues. And, you know, this, whether or not you're running for office or, you know, talking to a relative at a holiday and like, you know, just trying to hear their side of the story. That's a really good tactic is to, to meet in the middle and just find a way to have a productive conversation because that's the only way it's going to work. If you just tell someone like, no, you need to do this. They're just going to shut down. So being open and willing to have those hard discussions, but starting with a place where you both feel safe and comfortable, I think it's important. I totally agree. I, I think if you can find somebody and like you said, Stephanie, that the POW is a great way to connect with others that are like-minded, but even, you know, at, at your local level, if you can find somebody, you know, such as myself, that's already out there and you want to be a part of it, but just don't know where to begin, create that conversation, reach out, you know, ask like, you know, when are you going to the next town meeting? When is the next forest service meeting? You know, and can I go with you? Like that's, that's how things start. And that's how, you know, these communities, you know, they, they become cohesive. Um, you know, other ways is, you know, if you're using your, you know, as Canyon was talking about with his videos, if, 
if you're out there anyway, like, you know, take pictures and videos and show people what's going on. You know, we had, we had wildfires here a few years back that just decimated acres upon acres of our forest, just because we had so much leaf litter and it, it hadn't been controlled burned or anything. So that once it lit, it just ripped through the Smokies came into Pisgah here in Western North Carolina. We had so much destruction here. And, you know, like, I don't think people were aware just how much of, you know, not only the, the, you know, the flora was affected, but the fauna as well. I mean, if so much was displaced, um, you know, if you're out there running, like I, I ran up, you know, our, one of the, the more popular peaks here in the Smokies would be Lacan. Um, and, you know, when I ran up Lacan and just saw what happened and just, it was a new landscape. Cause I could, I could show a picture of before and after and just what happened. And, and so people actually get to realize, wow, like, that's, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe like, that's really the realization, you know, we hear stories, but until you see it, then you're like, wow, oh my gosh. Like, and then it's, well, what can I do to help? What can I do to help rehabilitate? Uh, and just becoming engaged in that level as well. You know, that that's, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out to the forest service and, you know, say like, you know, this needs to be done. It's how can I help it get done? Yeah. You know, like a, a lot of this stuff is volunteer level. So, you know, if you can get out there and that's what I always talk about with trail maintenance is if you can get out there and help at that level, that's tremendous as well. And even if you're just making the recognition that, you know, this, this is work that needs to be done. That's tremendous. Um, you know, I, I love seeing the trash pickup now. Like, I mean, people are starting to get into, you know, we need to clean up the trailheads are disgusting. <laughs> you know, that's great community. You know, like that's a start, you know, like that, these are wonderful things that people actionable things that people can do and, and, you know, and make the community a better place. And then they learn, you know, new folks and, and meet new connections. And, and that's how things snowball. So, yes. um, you know, so I, I love, love that fact that, you know, Canyon, you're putting that, you know, that out there and it, you don't have to be a professional YouTuber, you know, to, to get a video out there. You, it's just so simple to create a channel and just kind of put that stuff out there. Um, but that's how it starts. Really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, that said, Stephanie, what, what are some of the needs that, that pal has? Um, I mean, so many needs, but I think spreading awareness and um, whether that's through campaigns that we're doing on social media, through fundraising, I think that's one of the big things that is a need to like get these these bigger pieces rolling and from an individual level, what we can really do. And sometimes it seems silly to be posting campaigns on social media. It's like, this is the exact opposite of what I want to do. Like, you know, like getting my hands dirty and like doing some work outside. But it's like when you understand the theory of change and how things need to happen, those things matter. And just like what you were saying, you know, like um, Canyon putting his videos out there, if I share a photo of something, it's going to reach people and probably people in my community who may not be aware of these issues. Like I'm just thinking, I, I took a little video of myself biking yesterday um, on one of my favorite roads, and it was actually closed to traffic because there was a red flag warning, which means that it's super windy and really highly likely for a wildfire. And so like cars weren't even allowed to drive through there. And just posting that video and maybe like making people aware, like in this area, this is already happening. And that just motivates people to start in their local communities. And once you do that, you get more interested and educated in like the next step and the next step. So I think long story short, Pow, Pow just needs people to, um, 
to one, be interested and uh, be educated in what's going on locally and nationally. And then two, find some way to promote or um, participate in a campaign or a fundraiser, because that's going to directly impact their ability to work on these bigger pieces. Like we're like the little Legos building up <laughs> each person, each, each effort is like building up this big, I shouldn't say wall because we all like, we hear the word wall and we're like, eh, um, castle. We're building a big castle out of Legos. And um, all of those little pieces are so important. Even though you might not think they are, they all add up. So POW needs people to really just stand up for what they're passionate about and don't be afraid and whatever means that is, whether it be calling, you know, your local representative, whether it be doing trail work in your community and just taking your friend to the town hall when you go, or just saying like, Hey, did you know, like, you know, this is going on right now. We have a red flag warning. That's pretty crazy, huh? You know, like all of those steps are steps that are necessary. So there's nothing too small. That's excellent. Um, and how can they engage with Powell? Obviously, I'll put the uh, the website in the show notes. But you know, what what are some ways in which they can you know get involved, um, engage on social media? Yeah, I mean, following on social media is good. Um, the number one thing is probably to subscribe to the newsletter because they put out a regular newsletter about things that are going on. Um, on Fridays, they have this um, climate dispatch of like. Um, current thing, climate news that's coming out or policy or something, some things like that. And then also upcoming campaigns and ways to get involved. Um, we just did a huge one called Crush It for Climate. And that was super successful, getting people to just basically go out and do what they love and like do it in um, a fashion where they were promoting like protect our winters and climate. And there are so many opportunities like that. So subscribe to the newsletter is probably a really great place to start. Right. Great. And I even saw them, uh, they had the Strava challenge, right? Yeah. 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 So connecting with ways that um, are just really easy for, for runners or trail enthusiasts to just naturally get involved. You don't have to go above, like out of your way, but it's just like, yeah, click the button, sign up for the Strava challenge. And then you're, you're in. So it shouldn't be, it's, it's not like things that take a lot of time or effort, but those actions really go a long ways. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, anything, I mean, I'm sure there's a billion more things <laughs> we could obviously talk about, uh, but anything we would be remiss to leave out um, right now, anything, any last touch points you guys want to have? I mean, like you said, we could talk about this forever, but <laughs> I just think it, it's really great. Thank you for the opportunity for us to share today. And I think this is a big step of like, you know, maybe reaching some people who weren't necessarily aware of ways they could bridge that gap. And um, I mean, I think we covered the biggest parts and just, you know, knowing that we can't take these, these um outdoor spaces for granted. And we need to actually speak up and with our actions um, to protect them. And especially for not just our generation, but the generations to come. Any final words of wisdom, Kenyon? Heck yeah. I, I love what <laughs> Stephanie said. And I think um, I circle back to just, you know, I don't have all the answers. I might not even have any, <laughs> you know, none of us, none of us have 
have it all figured out. We're kind of muddling, muddling through figuring out how, how to make a difference and um, how to stand up to the just tremendous power of, of, you know, the fossil fuel industry and, and these huge corporations that only, only see dollar signs. And um, so I think the big message for me is just, you don't have to have it all figured out to be, to be involved, you know, a, a great, a great message the POW pushes is just, you know, embrace being the imperfect advocate, you know, um, just, just get involved where you can start where you are. Um, it's, you know, it's taking that first step that that's so important. And then, um, and then, and then you're moving and, and things come easy from there and you, you flow on down the trail and meet awesome people along the way. And, and hopefully, hopefully we get somewhere, somewhere great. Awesome. And if, if folks want to connect with, uh, with you guys, what's the best way for them to do so? Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram, Stephanie Marie Howe. Um, you can also email me Stephanie at protectourwinters.org. Um, yeah, I post pretty regularly and um, happy to answer any emails. If anyone wants to get more involved, please, I mean, email. I'm happy, happy to do what I can, point you in the right direction. Um, we've got resources for um, race directors, uh, for people who want to create these these races that are more, um, I guess, Stand. friendly. Yeah, friendly for the climate and, and doing things that are going to um, push us in the right direction and um, resources for people new to advocacy. And um, yeah, I've, I've got I've got things that I can I can help direct you. So please reach out. Yes, yeah, same. Definitely feel free to email Canyon Woodward at gmail.com um, or Canyon Woodward on Instagram. I'm notoriously bad at responding to emails, but um, <laughs> if you email me, I promise I, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really want to thank you both for your time and for sharing all this and for, for all the work that you obviously do for for this this world. <laughs> thank you, guys. Likewise, Aaron. Thank you. You've done so much for for the, the running community and, and the greater community at large in, in North Carolina. So thanks a ton. It's been so fun to connect with you both stephanie you are such a rock star leading the <laughs> the pow trail squad it's this has been really fun uh, thank you both yeah this is this is a good conversation and i i really appreciate having the opportunity well uh, you know, as always, thank you, Stephanie and Kenyon, for for the conversation, for the time, uh, for everything that you do um, outside of uh, you know of uh, your everyday jobs, <laughs> and for you know just having this conversation. Um, I hope uh, you know just just as we were that you can be open minded and and perhaps take some of these ideas or suggestions and and put them to use. Uh, it's you know we we can do quite actionable things without really doing too much. So, you know, you know, if it's just reaching out to your, uh, your state representative, you know, as, as Stephanie and Canyon talked about making that phone call, um, or just attending the, the local town meeting, 
uh, you know, go to your local town hall and, and attend the meeting and see what's going on and make sure things are going the way you want them to go. You know, uh, things don't change unless we begin to make sure that um, we are part of that actionable change. So thank you to both of you. Um, on to, you know, other things that are going on. Um, we have been working on Hellbender. Uh, many, you know, have reached out. Um, we are working on the permitting. A lot of stuff, you know, obviously goes into that with all the various entities that uh, we have to, um, you know, provide applications to. We are shooting for the beginning of May. That is our goal for 2022. So, you know, just uh, just under a year from now, we're we're shooting for that first weekend. That's that's our goal. Uh, whether the uh, the various entities are good with that date, that's the last remaining piece. So our applications are being filed, permits being filed. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, and in other news with Hellbender, um, you know, we, we thought that the trail out of Camp Greer was going to be ready, but, um, the, the reality is it's going to require a whole lot of money, uh, $75,000. We're going to have to raise $75,000, you know, not, not, uh, the run eight to eight foundation, um, the G five trail collective that's really, you know, been at the forefront of this is going to try to raise money, um, you know, and get grants and such, uh, to make this happen. So, um, you know, uh, what I am proposing is that, uh, we help, you know, generate those funds and, and kind of donate to that cause. Cause obviously we want to use that trail and make that trail happen and make it a reality. So, uh, we're going to, you know, obviously raise money through hellbender and see what other, uh, fundraising possibilities we can do to, uh, to help generate some funds and, and maybe donate to that cause and make that happen. So, um, you can check out G5. I'm going to put their stuff in the show notes. Uh, I have in the past and, uh, they have a, you know, great website and they're so active. Um, you know, they're, they're doing trail work every week. So, um, it's, it's great to, to hear and see. So, uh, those are the latest updates on Hellbender. Uh, I don't know quite when registration will open. I'm suspecting late this year we will, uh, open registration, but, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, to come. So stay tuned. Um, uh, newsletter. I apologize. I have not gotten the newsletter out. I have not really had a moment to breathe. Um, it's just been super busy lately. Um, aside from, you know, finishing up the track season here, we've got this week and next and track will be over. And then I think I can breathe a little bit again, but, um, it, besides that, it's just been, been hectic. So I have not had a chance to, to work on the newsletter. So, uh, apologies to all of you. I know, uh, I said I would get that out. But, um, yeah, it's, it is forthcoming, whether I combine May and June, or if I get a May out and a June out, we'll see, but, uh, I appreciate your patience. So sorry about that. Um, and other exciting news. Um, <laughs> I had forgotten that I dropped my name into the, uh, old dominion. Uh, old dominion is one of the four oldest, uh, 100 milers in the United States, uh, that is still existing. And, uh, it's part of the grand slam. Uh, so, um, I, I, the other night I received, uh, an email saying that, uh, I had been invited to, to register. Uh, they're only taking a hundred runners this year. This is one that's kind of been on my list, bucket list, uh, to do. Uh, and, um, I looked at my wife, uh, you know, you have, you have a small window to decide because obviously, you know, they have to move on on the wait list. So I looked over at my wife and said, do I press the green button or the red decline button? 
And, uh, you know, she knew I really wanted to run this one. So she said press green. So, uh, three weeks, <laughs> three weeks, uh, first weekend in June, this race takes place. Um, you know, I, it's, I'm, I'm kind of just looking at it as going out for a finish. Um, you know, if, if I'm competitive, that will be, would be kind of a secondary or even tertiary goal to, uh, to its completion. Um, you know, it's, it's more for the experience on this one. I'll be honest. Um, of course I always want to be competitive, but you know, coming off of, of Umstead, I, I did take some time off and, um, just been really just, you know, going pretty easy for the most part. Um, you know, I did, yeah, obviously I did do art lobe. So, um, I've had some volume, you know, and, and art lobe being 30 miles with, you know, eight to 9,000 feet of vertical gain. Um, not the, uh, not that, you know, Old Dominions has anywhere near that, but, you know, to feel as good as I did on that run, um, you know, it, it shows me that I'm still in good aerobic condition, so I, I, I feel like I can handle this well. Uh, the course is a lot of kind of gravel roads, and, you know, it's it's really, they call it cross-country, um, so I'm, I'm really excited to check this course out. So three weeks away, um, you know, that's that's coming up, which is awesome. Uh, you know, uh, I was I was kind of bummed uh, following uh, Hard Rock uh, has an email listserv and, and somebody asked about, you know, has the wait list moved at all? And uh, it has not. And, um, you know, I had them having taken a number of never run people off of the wait list um, to to bring them into the fold. Um, they are still waiting for, uh, you know, a number to, to drop out so that they have the, the, you know, the, the numbers that they need. Um, right now they're, I think they're a little bit higher than what they, uh, they're supposed to have for their permit. So, um, you know, the wait list has not moved because of that. So it doesn't look like, uh, hard rock will be in my future for this year. So, um, you know, the, the goal this fall will be to complete grindstone 100, uh, and, and get another, um, hard rock qualifier. So. Yeah, but that's that's where the world of my my running is um it's it's you know it's all good um and uh my son uh his meet last week got canceled uh the, the thursday meet that i had talked about so he did not get his shot at the uh, mile uh as i sit here and record this the the day before its release uh on may 12th um we are getting rain again, so I don't think his meet today will happen. Uh, it's, it's rescheduled for next Friday or this Friday because we are uh, we are in our championship season already. Um, so uh, my hopes for him. He's you know he's running well. He's not in pain. And that's that's great. So I, I hope he smashes the five minute barrier. Uh, you know, super cool. But anyhow, that's where where Keegan's at. Um, you know and. Uh, other than that, you know, life here is is going well. Uh, I really, you know, again, appreciate your time. I appreciate your your listening, and uh, you know, um, I appreciate again your open mindedness uh, to listen to this conversation. Um, and, and once again, thank you to Stephanie and Canyon for for their contributions to this. Um, we've got a, a number of podcasts that I'm recording this week um, that will be coming up. Um, I am recording with my my good friend Scott Sosha, uh, owner of FooterX, uh, the running store I used to co-own with him, and uh, and my friend Joe Quinlan. We'll be talking about uh, footwear and pedorthics. They they fabricate orthotics, but um, they are very into um, natural movement and uh, allowing the foot to function naturally. So it should be an interesting conversation. Um, also recording with a good friend and physical therapist Miriam Saloom. 
she and I are going to be talking about the shins and uh, all the maladies that can happen with the shins and you know what can be done. Um, also going to have my follow-up conversation with uh, Natalie Daniels. Um, she uh, finished the Brute Challenge, uh, and uh, you know, we had talked previously. You can go back and listen to her episode. She had completed the Georgia Loop, um, the... Um, um, <laughs> Cash, I'm trying to remember what she had completed at that time. Uh, Mass and Nutton. And uh, I think, um, what was the other one she had? She had completed three at the time, but she has since completed the other two, which was uh, Pitchell and, uh, gosh, since I don't remember the other one, we'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to do my uh, my research again. But we will be discussing uh, her completion. Uh, and then she tried to do the out and back on Art Lowe, but I, I you know, it, it didn't sound like her body was, was uh, cooperating. So we'll talk about that as well. So stay tuned for those conversations. Those episodes will be coming out uh, in the future. And uh, once again, thank you all so much uh, for everything you guys do. Uh, I'll, I'll be leaving a ton of show notes today. So check those out with all the resources that we've talked about in this episode. Um, you know, and thank you to my Patreon supporters for helping me keep this going. And, uh, for all of you that have, uh, liked and subscribed and shared, uh, that have reached out and asked questions, uh, it really, I like the engagement. So I appreciate you all. And until next time, keep running my friends. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a hundred mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Rain is coming, rain is
isn't coming, can't give a thing. 